0: you know i was so determined to get off stage and i'm glad i did mm-hmm. but then what happened is i just got right back on a different stage in another way That's true i mean wait a minute wait a minute what,
1: uh, what is this yeah.
0: Maybe you know you where's unhappy. the exit door <laughs> you know
1: hey there this is holly shaw your host Performance coach and author of The Creative Formula. And you are listening to the Performers and Creators Lab podcast, empowering an army of artists across the globe and helping you to find your edge. Today's episode is dedicated to the wounded healer archetype. And it's in memory of all of those artists. Who don't make it past the age of 27. For the performer who shines on stage and falls apart in the dressing room. The sad clown. And to any performer who has become a healer. Those who figured out how to alchemize their pain and grief. And have the courage and the tenacity to turn it into something else. This episode is for anyone at all who has been broken and had to figure out how to mend themselves back together again. Today's guest is a mentor of mine and perhaps one of my biggest influences to the work that I've done and that I continue to do. Her story and the incredible way about which she came to be doing her life's work, her life's work, which has created the platform upon which so many others of us have been able to now stand and reach from, her story is shared here. Daria Halprin, dancer, poet, teacher, and author of The Expressive Body in Life, Art, and Therapy, she's among one of the leading pioneers in the field of movement dance and expressive arts education and therapy. But, Unlike others, Daria inherited an artistic lineage, her mother being Anna Halperin, one of the pioneers of postmodern dance, and her father being Lawrence Halperin, the famous American landscape architect. From the time she can remember, Daria was immersed in an artistic life, dancing in her mother's company, finding her way into acting, and being thrust into the spotlight. But for Daria, like so many others... This wasn't always a healthy place to be, and she found herself seeking to get off the stage and create something else entirely. She began teaching and facilitating creative therapeutic work for others, and in 1978, Daria co-founded the Tamaupa Institute, where now still to this day, she directs training programs in movement dance and expressive arts education, consultancy, and therapy. So speaking of many years, 1978 was when you founded the... Well,
0: yes, that that was kind of a ritualized moment. I mean, Uh uh, the development had had started even before that. Okay. But it was was kind of a threshold moment Uh where I felt that I wanted to take a step further in. Uh, Having been kind of born and raised in a lineage, Uh there was a back and forth for me about whether what I, what do i really want to do is mm-hmm. this really what i want to do and if so how uh-huh uh, and i i you know so and i wanted i i knew that i wanted to do it differently than it than it had been done now part of that was that i wanted to make my own my i wanted to blaze my own trail of course sure. but and but it was also that i felt i felt that it was i felt called to articulate something about how to work if you will therapeutically with the arts
1: mhm
0: they're very, you know it's a very provocative practice mm-hmm. yes uh, uh in the way that we practice it here at Tumopa. yes it uh it it's I think of, of, of the way that we work with the arts, uh, metaphorically speaking, a little bit like a, a like homeopathy, mm. where the arts become the tincture and whatever is, wants to be drawn out is going to be. Ooh. And that, that can be uh, 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 quite compelling for people. It can even at times be destabilizing initially. And, as I say that i'm I, I'm reminded that what called me to develop certain aspects of of our practice here, mm-hmm. um, which we call the life art process, was that there was you know there were ways in which I had become tr- terrifically destabilized in my own life, mm. and I began to and I began to do my, my, own, my own work mm-hmm. with a lot of help. I began to wonder if, if I could continue to be an artist, and if I wanted to continue to be an artist. And if I, you know, and I began to, to wonder, well, what do I want to do kind of with my inheritance? Right. And if I don't, if I'm not going to do this, what do I want to do instead? All all of those questions were really stirring in me.
1: Yeah.
0: And uh,
1: so you kind of chose one path. I mean, you didn't, you're doing art, you're creating all the time. I even saw on YouTube a piece that you did with the masks. Oh yes, oh, gorgeous! Yeah.
0: Oh, I'm, you know, so I'm it's, glad you appreciated. You are it.
1: creating public-facing work from time to time, but you have definitely took a very strong left into um, the field of psychology and healing arts. Absolutely, taking this work to the healing place.
0: I yeah. I really did not want to be on the stage anymore.
1: Oh, I mean, tell it me was it was radical for
0: me. Uh, as i said i i uh, I felt that it was had really destabilized me okay. i was I was quite young,
1: yeah,
0: and I didn't have the support system or the foundation that I needed, given who I was, mm-hmm. to continue to be out on stage anymore
1: mm-hmm.
0: and so you know I could have I might have, if it had truly been my calling to continue to be a performance artist, I could I, have I could have, uh, I could have s- looked for help in a, in a way that would also have uh, helped me to continue to be on stage. Sure. But for whatever reason, apparently it wasn't my calling. Yeah. and But in retrospect, and many years later, I, I thought to myself, well, you know, I was so determined to get off stage, and I'm glad I did. Mm-hmm. But then what happened is I just got right back on a different stage in another way. <laughs> That's true. I mean, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What? Uh, what? What is this? <laughs> Maybe you know where's unhappy? the exit door? <laughs> you know? And and so for me, and I often share this with with, with my students at a certain point where, where, where they go from their personal experience of our work into mm-hmm. learning learning uh from the point of view of, of becoming teachers or therapists yeah. uh, themselves. I often say to them that there are certain ways in which for me the way that I teach feels performative. Mm. it feels very performative to me, and a uh, part of that I think is be- is that I have an interest in not just talking about the work but somehow conveying it, letting it be heard and felt yeah. and imagined yes, and so i i i I think that at a certain point in, in my teaching practice, I, I began to be aware of my interest in, in teaching as an artist would teach. Mm.
1: It sounds almost like you're saying that you transmit the lessons as much as you tell, as much as you just say, this is how you explain with your words... There's also, a, through that performance, through that desire to share in every way that you can with your body as an artist, there's a desire to also transmit it I, in a way a performer might when they're on yes, stage and I, taking I, people I, on an emotional journey. Yeah,
0: I think that that's an interesting way to, to say it. You know, that I, that I do want the work that we do here to... Be, become an emotional journey for people, without losing the art. So um, it's almost mm-hmm. as if I want to t- I want to share with people uh, the kind of journey that I my mis- that I took myself on, mm-hmm. in a sense, mm-hmm. and that really is where it began for me. That I I began to use art. Uh, to take myself on an emotional journey and for my own healing process, right. uh, to find a way to put back together the parts of me that had broken, yeah. and uh, and there was uh, there was a, a calling. I would say it was a calling even more than a desire yeah. uh, to s- somehow take that beyond myself, mm. mm-hmm. uh, and. Um, and I think that it has been ultimately through my teaching that perhaps I have healed myself.
1: Uh-huh And you don't think you would have been able to do that at the same level or depth by yourself. Who's to say? Who
0: knows? Yeah, Who knows. But certainly it was certainly, it, it was certainly uh, my destiny, if you will, to be doing this, just as yes, you're called, and it's your sure. destiny, too you know, to love being a performer and then to work with other people who are performers.
1: But it's interesting that you, I've always felt this resonance with you as, and I think I didn't realize the connection, but you, I also, when I was 19, I had, I had a career in film when I was a teenager. And when I was 19, I just kind of fell apart, had a complete anxiety breakdown, um, And, you know, all these opportunities, Steppenwolf Theater was calling me, I was getting called in for these huge, you know, feature roles, and I just, I couldn't hack that pressure, and I think everything, and so I turned to dance, and I think subconsciously I knew I needed to move, I needed Mm. something that would move me, Mm -hmm. and you know, that was a piece of the healing, and then this whole journey, like, circling back, circling right? Around, yeah. So I think um, it's interesting that, that I didn't quite understand that part of your journey, that there was this, like, brokenness that made, made you say, I want Dramatic. to get off the stage. Dramatic. And I, I can really relate to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I think one of the things that uh, became important to me also was to uh, try to find a bridge, Mm. uh in a sense between uh the performative stage yeah and the stage of life. And there there, there was a, a kind of a I felt a righteous indignation about the about the contrast that I experienced and saw all around me uh between uh between uh, what can happen? What can be presented uh, on the performative stage, mm-hmm. and how? And then, what's happening to the performer when they get off the stage? Mm. What kind of you know? What's what? Uh, what kind of a life is being lived? What kind of relationships are being had? and so i i because of my own life experiences and my own disappointments and the gap that I experienced between between uh the art world mm. and every other part mm-hmm. of life uh i I had a certain uh, indignation about it, mm. which really drove me to uh to To this interest in the therapeutic process mm-hmm. and and in psychology,
1: yeah,
0: and uh, and yet it wasn't that I that I wanted to be a a psychologist
1: mm-hmm. per se, in the classic sense, in the right. classic
0: traditional sense. Right. Otherwise, I would have done that, right. So it, it was it 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 was as if I was trying to also not uh, mend my own broken pieces but mend my world back yes. together again.
1: Wow, the world that you were in, the world of the arts. The, the world that I'd like, grown
0: up in yeah. and, and had experienced. Wow. I, I wanted to kind of mend my world back together again. Wow. And um, uh, having the opportunity to work with so many other people Of all kinds Mm -hmm. of ages and from all kinds of places and countries and backgrounds, Mm -hmm. uh, it—you know—all of those people have have also, without knowing it, become my mendors as well, Mm -hmm. as much as I, perhaps, have played a role in their mending. Mm -hmm. And and that's when I when I think back on my life and my many years of practice, I, I feel I feel such an appreciation for that. And that's not to say that it's been easy, because I started also uh, in, in this in this role of teaching and facilitating when I was far too young to hold that
1: stage.
0: <laughs> so I also yeah. you know I I it also that also knocked me around a lot.
1: When we come back, we'll get to talk about Daria's experience when she first began teaching and found herself to be the youngest person in the room. And we'll also get to dissect that strange little interview that Daria did from the 1960s, the one that's still circulating on YouTube. And we'll get to find out what that was all about. This and more when we come back. Hey, this is Holly. Do you love the Performers and Creators Lab podcast? then you should subscribe to it on iTunes. Subscribing is free and it's as easy as clicking a button. And it means that new episodes will download automatically to your library and you never even have to miss one. And while you're there, why don't you just leave us a review? Thank you. And thank you for listening to the Performers and Creators Lab podcast.
0: I started also uh, in, this, in this role of teaching and facilitating when I was far too young
1: to hold that stage.
0: <laughs> so I also, yeah. you know, I, I, it also, that also knocked me around a lot.
1: So you were just sort of figuring it out as you went? I was a,
0: figuring it out as, as I went. I mean, you know, and I think in a way we all are, you know. Yeah. No matter what. I mean, you can, you, you can sit in a lot of classrooms and, and, and study, and you can read a lot of books and study, but where it's really at is yeah. up off the page, <laughs> it's true. you know, yeah. um, directly in the face of all these different kinds of human experiences. And, kind of and so it's been a great experiment, really. Mm. It's been a great experiment. Uh-huh. How does this thing work called arts? as healing healing the body healing the mind Uh, you know healing the wounded parts of ourselves Mm. and and not only that because i don't want anymore uh, to be limited just by this notion of healing which has certain connotations Mm
1: -hmm.
0: that something's wrong and then it's, it's not it's going to be, and then it's right. fixed. It's not going to be anymore. Or you need fixing. Or you right? need fixing. Right. Which, in all honesty, I, I, I mean, perhaps unfortunately, but I don't believe it for a second. Huh? First of all, I think it's a verb. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that, that, that I imagine is so potent about the arts because the arts are a process of becoming and creating mm-hmm. and falling apart and starting over again and that's the magic of creativity and making art yes it's it's a process, it, it is experimental it 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 is meant to be provocative mm-hmm. it is the it, it is also a generative And challenging. I mean, if you're serious about the arts, the arts will, as you know, Mm -hmm. the arts challenge us. Oh, yes. You know, they question us. They don't behave like we want them to do. (laughs) Um, They bring all of our stuff up, including stage fright, for instance, or I can't, or, you know, what does it mean? Or I may never be able to make anything again, or it's too much or it's not enough. Mm. Um,
1: yeah i feel like it it makes us face all our fear like human kind's fears and if you're not making art on the regular you might not have to face those but if you choose the path of the artist as you're saying it's mm -hmm. it's intense work constantly so i have a question i just want to go back real quick to you as a young facilitator because (laughs) what it made me think of is uh you got really excited and i wanted to explore that and it made me think of this video that i found of you on youtube oh i i did this is this is like the sorry the the nightmare I'm come sorry, through of my nightmare. life when i was i think i was no. 18 years old with dick cavett is that the one you're talking the interview about? yeah with dick and dick. i don't i kept forwarding through trying to see when you talked they didn't let you talk no one asked you questions is that the one you're talking about the interview and I just thought, "Wow, is this just the '70s, or I can't, was it the '60s or '70s? Boy, like what it's a late '60s, what a, you know." And, and we see that still with women today. But I just thought, "Oh my goodness!" And I just found myself thinking, getting really angry for you for that young daria like how dare they not ask you a question this woman you have don't have any idea of the thought she had so take me back to that moment and well it's interesting that you
0: see it from that point of view the w- what i see is myself at a time in a lot li- in my life where where i, ha- I had not formed myself mm-hmm. it just looked like i had and what's interesting is that when I got on stage as a dancer, mm-hmm. I was perfectly fine. Mm. I could express anything. I was so articulate mm-hmm. and uh, I did some really interesting, beautiful work uh and I had no problem expressing emotions in dance, and it was also physical theater mm-hmm. uh But the minute I got off stage i i it it was it i I got off on really shaky legs. And uh I got thrust onto a life path that I wasn't prepared for. I had no mentorship. Hmm. Yes, and yes, it was a different cultural time for young women. Um uh, but I I I I mean, we could say that it was them, sure. But what I prefer to say and mm-hmm. that would be easier for me to digest but my experience of myself then as I look back was that I had no ground in myself mm-hmm. I, 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 I hadn't yet developed an autonomous self that that knew what her power was mm-hmm. uh, and I didn't understand my own power and I hadn't figured out how to translate uh, my gifts Including my my thoughts uh, uh-huh. into any other arena outside of the studio mm-hmm. or or the dance stage, yeah. and so it was. And it was a very uh, uh, challenging, big world that I was thrust into in New York and in, in Hollywood mm-hmm. with no preparation at all. I was 18 years old. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, I didn't have any training as an actress. And then also, as very often happened, uh, happens, and certainly happened to me as part of the 60s, I, I was, you know, to some extent, we, we learn who we are through relationships. Oh, yeah. We don't learn who we are, and we don't become ourselves all by ourselves. We, we learn in community and yeah. relationships. And unfortunately... Uh, you know, in a sense, uh, I was neither in a community or in a series of relationships that, that were healthy or that yeah. fostered a process where I could really find myself and mm-hmm. u- use my gifts, mm-hmm. uh, use my treasures mm-hmm. in, in the way that uh, would have otherwise been possible. Right. It was a sad time. It was, yeah. you know, I had my own little version of of tragedy and, and trauma. Mm-hmm. And... Um, so that, that, yeah. that's part of my story.
1: Yeah. Well, but then fast forward a, de- fast forward. a decade or about a decade later, you're yeah, facilitating well, yeah. all of a sudden you're leading. So tell me, how was it to sort of jump into that deep end and, and try to swim and facilitate? Well, and what was that like for you, the work back then?
0: Well, I, I, as I look back on it now, I, I, think, I, I, I think I was incredibly determined. And I also think, interestingly enough, that I acted the part well. Mm. Mm -hmm. Having said that, I was often the youngest person in the room. And here I was Mm -hmm. in the costume of somebody who knows what they're doing and can lead. Mm
1: -hmm. I mean, I was really, really young. How, about, how young were you when you first started I probably
0: was was uh, 26 years old. Wow, that's yeah. really young. Yeah, really young. I would say too young. Uh, but life circumstances were such that I had to. It was necessity. I had to make a living. I had mm-hmm. to support a little child all by myself. And this is what I knew how to do. Yeah. I didn't have any outside support. So, you know... Good, good for me. Yeah. I think it was Rilke who said, was it Rilke who said, you know, some of the greatest art is born from necessity. And so I think that I became a teacher, which became my art, mm-hmm. eventually, through a kind of an imperative, a necessity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I learned how to teach along the way and one of the things that I brought into my teaching with the arts was, an, was a profound need for system and structure. I, I, was not, I was not into just improvising and letting whatever happens spill out onto the floor. Mm-hmm. I wanted psychological structure. I wanted it for myself. Yes. And I wanted it in the studio. And so over the many years of, of teaching, I've become much more improvisational. <laughs> I'm so happy about it that, you know, I, I yeah. remember, you know, maybe maybe 15 years in, I suddenly thought to myself, wow, look at this. I'm not so desperately in need of systems and structures every right, two seconds. Right. I I, you know...
1: You relaxed. How,
0: into how wonderful. It. I, I, you know, that tension that I was carrying, and not to say that it didn't produce some excellent teaching, I think sure. it did. And there were things that I really systematized and defined about how to work with the arts that I, I'm, I'm happy about. I'm really happy about yeah. it. But I remember feeling like, oh, I must feel more secure. Yes. I must be feeling more secure.
1: Well, because you created that framework for yourself that Mm -hmm. held yourself Mm -hmm. until you were at a point where you could just swim in the water without the boat. Yeah. 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 Hey, this is Holly. Doesn't it feel great to learn about yourself? Don't you just love that wonderful satisfaction that you get from discovering the missing puzzle pieces of who you really are and how you really work? Well, so I've created a creative DNA quiz that is gonna help you understand who you are as an artist, how you work best creatively, and also illuminate those areas where you could shore up your weaknesses by working with others, it tells you what type of people you should be working with. So there are three main types of creatives, the explorer, the visionary, and the strategist. So visit com to take the free quiz and discover your creative DNA today. You are listening to the Performers and Creators Lab podcast with me, Holly Shaw. And now we're back with dancer, poet, teacher, and author, Daria Halperin, finding out how she even began creating her unique expressive arts process. So let's talk about how did you create the system? I mean, this is, you were creating this alongside other people in the healing, but there was like the words healing arts or oh, the healing arts were a thing, but the word like art therapy, that all was kind of being developed parallel to you. I mean, you were a big part of this
0: huge movement that we all go to.
1: Like benefit from now, I guess so, so you know how do you put structure to that? I mean, where did you start, if you can even remember?
0: Hmm. Golly. where did where did it start? Well, I remember that um, I I started off by trying to uh, codify what what do I do when I dance. What mm-hmm. do I do? What is it? Because mm. I was doing it.
1: Right. So you started so, studying yourself.
0: Yeah. So what, do, what is it that I do? And what is it that I know by working with my own material? What, what is it that I know about movement? And then what is it, what, what part do I experience because I work with um, uh, multiple art forms Mm-hmm. So, uh, how does drawing work for me as in relationship to movement and emotion and story? Uh, how, how do I write? Because I, I, I have written poetry all my life. Uh, that has be, that had been my way of speaking. I could always express myself in dance and poetry. Mm. And so how do I do that? Uh, when people say, listen to the wisdom of the body, um, I don't really know what they mean. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what they mean. But I know, I mean, it's a cute <laughs> phrase, but I, I you know, uh, it's like healing. It's like, well, really? Okay, let's, let's break that down. Right, what do you uh, mean there? Yeah, what yeah. do you mean there? Uh, but I, I know, I know how I listen to the body. Mm which is that I can actually hear things. I actually hear things in my body, in, just like somebody talking. Yeah.
1: So your liminal sense is mm-hmm. you hear, like, words.
0: I hear words. Okay. Sentences wow. more. Mm-hmm. More sentences. Yeah. So how do I... You know, everybody has that in some way. I mean, that's mm-hmm. not... That's not special. It's just it's just that that's what was happening. And I wanted to try to share that with other people. Mm-hmm. Well, how do I do that? Right. How, how can I open up that portal for other people? Because it, yeah. I get so much out of that, that my story isn't out there and isn't out there. my mm-hmm. Out there somewhere... That you have to find. That I have to go find it. Yeah. Like, I can actually hear the story happening mm. in my body. You talk about embodiment. Mm-hmm. Is there some way, scores that I can compose, where, where p- people could have such an experience? Mm. And then there was the drawings, which for me uh, became a way of uh, almost, um, uh, you know... Dreamscaping, like dreaming awake, and uh, and uh, I had a very conflicted relationship with drawing. My my father drew all the time, and he was my hero. And I and he put a sketchbook in my hand when I was really really little, and I could barely do stick figures. So, you know, drawing was like was like my my, my most terrifying art medium. So what I did is I immersed myself in drawing because I wanted to meet that terror head on. And I, it wasn't happening for me with, with dance because I, it was just it very wasn't scary. It wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> like, OK, I can dance anything. Yeah. And then when the dance is over, so what? So I immersed myself. And so then I began to think, well, this is probably true for other people. You know, and we make an assumption that oh, we're making art. How delightful! How wonderful! Well, what about not not necessarily, and not for everybody. So, wouldn't it be interesting to figure out some ways for people to actually explore their relationship with each art medium? Mm. Like maybe there's something there. Yeah. And so then let's put draw dance together with with poetry and dialogue and with the drawing and then there's like a a family of art mediums which seem to me to be much more effective in bringing forth the life experiences, the emotional responses, the psychological storyline for people, Mm -hmm. much more so than just dance,
1: from my study at Tanapa one of the things that I remember is that it felt like if you couldn't figure out something in one place, you know, like each doing a little bit of movement and then drawing, and sometimes you guys would switch up the order of things, so you're drawing and then dancing the drawing the self-portrait. All of these things sort of gave you clues that you wouldn't get from one modality, and it was through the switching that you sort of picked up a depth that wasn't available through through one source.
0: Yeah, a depth and a breadth too, you know, like a wider a wider view and also I wanted to respect the fact that some people feel more fluent in dance and other people f- Feel more mm. fluent in visual art and other people feel more fluent as speakers and writers and poets yeah. and i also began to feel that those of us i mean I, I feel i feel much more at home in speaking now but believe me i i didn't for a, many many years and i felt that people like like myself who had had the experience of losing our voices mm. That if we could make poetry and then have poetry to speak, what that would generate, that maybe that would help us find our voices again.
1: Mm. I'm so inspired by Daria Halpern's story of how she steered into the direction of her terror. You know, she faced her fear of drawing head on in search of what that could teach her. So, what about you, listener? What are you afraid of trying? And what might that uncover if, you know, if you decided to dip your toes into that today? Hmm? Great stuff. So, be sure to stay tuned. As next week you'll be hearing part two of this interview with Daria Halprin, and we'll discuss what it means to give movement back to people, self-portraits, and the aesthetic responsibility inherent in the expressive arts world. In the meantime, if you'd like to learn more about Daria and the Tamalpa Institute, you can visit her on the web at tamalpa.org. I'd like to thank my producers, Q4TA and Robert Cholino, as well as composer Dan Cantrell, who's responsible for all the wonderful music you hear in this podcast. And thank you for listening to the Performers and Creators Lab podcast. My name is Holly Shaw.